Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Let me say welcome. Greetings. Hi. Hello. Howdy. We are, what's up? <laughs> we are glad you're here today. You know, here's the first Sunday that we would get to wear our sweaters and our scarves, boots, jackets. It's 50 degrees, right? <laughs> and the rest of America is laughing at us. But, uh, wait till January and we'll be laughing. Hey, you picked a good week to be here because I've got some igni- exciting news to share with you this morning. I found it. I found the church in America, the one church in America where everybody agrees about everything. Everybody in attendance sees things exactly the same way. Found the one church in America where everyone in attendance has the same wants, same needs, same ideas. They're motivated by the same things. They all have the same spiritual address. Let me show you a picture of the church. There it is. That's the one church where everyone has everything in common. Average weekly attendance. One. <laughs> you probably heard me tell this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. It's one of my favorite stories, jokes. Um, I think it's funny, but really, the reason I appreciate it is it's so convicting. A guy's stranded on a desert island for 25 years, and he's finally rescued. And his rescuers come ashore, and they notice that he has built three huts on the island. And they ask him about these huts, and he says, well, that first one, that's my house. I built that. That's where I live. I said, oh, how nice. Well, how about that second hut? And he said, that's, that's my church. Every Sunday, that's where I go to church. I built that. And I said, nice. How about that third hut over there? And the guy puts his head down and goes, well, that, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit convicting, isn't it? You know, sometimes it's hard for us to live with ourselves, let alone other people. We're all familiar with the little kid rhyme that goes, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Everybody knows that, right? Every kid in America learns that. I don't know how. They don't teach it in school. I don't think we teach it here at church, but everyone knows that. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, see all the people. You know, when you hear that word, church, there's carries so many connotations with it, so many feelings, so many emotions, so many memories, some of which are wonderful and some maybe not quite so pleasant. You know, we've all experienced joy and healing and fellowship and encouragement and closeness to God within this community that we call church. And probably many of us have also experienced hurt and disappointment, and frustration, maybe even disillusionment within this community that we call church. For the past 2,000 years, the church has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Highs and lows and successes and failures, wins and losses. This morning, I want you to know the church matters. It matters. The church matters a great deal to me, and I know the church matters a great deal to you as well. But most importantly, the church matters a great deal to God. And since the church matters so much to God, there are some church matters that we need to pay close attention to. 
Last week, we announced our intention to add additional leadership uh, to the body here at Bay Area. As Dave alluded to, this is kind of part two of a a two-part sermon series on leadership. We asked the congregation to be considering both Daryl Brown and Jimmy DeBose as two men who've been asked to join the existing leadership that serve in this family. And I mentioned last week, and I'll say it again, this is a defining moment in the history of this family. And we need you to be praying about this process. Be praying for Daryl and for Jimmy, as well as our existing uh, elders. Be praying about the direction in the future of the church. It's going to have a, a, a real bearing on the direction in the future of the Bay Area family. And I want to remind you that we're asking you to take until Thanksgiving to have uh, whatever conversation you feel you need to have with those men. Any questions that you have, any concerns or clarification, anything like that, our intention is to install both Daryl and Jimmy as elders on December the 8th. And last week I talked a little bit about uh, what it means to be a shepherd in the Lord's church. And I want to remind you of what I consider to be one of the most important aspects of this entire process, an aspect that we don't nearly give enough weight to. Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to a group of elders, and he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I want to remind you that it's the Holy Spirit who raises up leaders. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's very little said in Scripture about this process of adding additional leadership. But when you look at Scripture, it kind of looks like leaders are more anointed than they are appointed. The Holy Spirit is involved in this process. And this morning, I, I want to talk to us, us sheep, a little bit about the relationship that we are called to have with our shepherds. Then I also want to spend a little bit of time talking to our shepherds about the relationship that God calls them to have with the flock. And first, talking to us sheep, let me ask you a pretty simple question. What's our responsibility? What's our charge? What does God expect from us when we talk about the relationship between us sheep and, and our shepherds? And really, Scripture is pretty clear on this. We're to give them honor. We are to honor our leaders. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. You notice that Paul connects living in peace with respecting your leaders? There's a correlation there. In my lifetime, I have observed that where there is tension in the church, where tension exists, almost always respect for leadership does not exist. Paul would tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Paul says someone who's serving in this capacity and doing it well, they're not just worthy of honor. Double down on that. They're worthy of double honor. Do you honor your leaders? You look back in the book of Exodus, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Time after time, God stops in and slows them down or or redirects them or stops them completely because they were murmuring and arguing with their leaders. 
Now, sometimes they're murmuring and arguing against God, but sometimes they were murmuring and arguing with Moses, and God punished them for that. Listen, it is absolutely critical that we as the children of God obey the Word of God, and the Word of God says we as sheep, we're to honor our leaders. And it doesn't say honor your leaders when they make decisions that you love. It doesn't say, honor your, your leaders when they take your advice, you know, and do exactly what you suggest. It says, honor your leaders. The Word says we're to give them honor. Think of it this way. When my children were in my home, I raised three children, I expected my children to honor me as their father. Not just when I did things that made them happy. Not when I just made decisions that, you know, they, they went along with. I expected my children to show me honor as their father, even though I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, they knew it and I knew it. Even though I was very flawed in a lot of ways, even though I was a very imperfect father, I still expected them to honor me. And for the most part, my three children did. The Bible says that God will actually bless children who honor their parents. I think God blesses churches who honor their leaders. We're commanded to honor our leaders, to show them respect, even though they make mistakes and they're flawed and they're very imperfect men. As sheep, I'm commanded to show them honor. God's leaders will never be as effective as they need to be where there's conflict. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. We reference that verse pretty often when we're talking about leadership. We're told to obey our leaders, to submit to their authority, that they keep watch over us as men who must give an account. But there's some more interesting things about that verse. Hebrews 13, 17 tells us that leadership in the church, it can be either exhilarating or it can be exhausting. It can be a joy, or it can be a burden. And that verse also tells us that whether it's a joy or a burden, for the most part, depends on us sheep. Whether the, the work of a leader is really tough or just really rewarding, for the most part, that depends on me. And that verse also tells me that it's a blessing to the sheep when they honor the shepherd. We need shepherds who are energized and engaged and happy. It's a blessing to the sheep when we honor our shepherds because they take better care of us then. They're more attuned. Now, most people within the church, most people really have no idea the magnitude of the commitment that these men have made. You know, we, we see what they do, and we see some of the things they do, and we hear some of the things they say. But there are so many things going on, so many fires that they are putting out, so many conversations they are having, so many people that they meet with, so many issues that they're forced to deal with that we don't know anything about, as it should be, by the way. This is a tremendous responsibility that's being placed upon these men. Lots of pressure, and we're commanded to give them honor. Okay, how do we do that? How do we honor our leaders? Let me share with you three things that I think is on us sheep when we talk about our relationship with our leaders. And then I want to talk about the leaders' relationship as well. 
And these are three pretty simple suggestions, but they are really important and really powerful. And the first is we need to be praying for our leaders every day. We need to be praying for the men who are put in that position. We need to make this church, this eldership, part of your daily prayers. They need our prayers. They're deserving of our prayers. Prayers for more wisdom, guidance, humility, more love. Pray for your elders all the time. Number two, and I think this is important, and I want you to hear me say it, we need to assume the best about our leaders. You know what kind of drives me crazy? It really kind of breaks my heart. When I see a brother or sister in Christ and there's some issue that they're talking about and maybe they don't have the whole story or maybe they're, they, they've heard one side of things, they don't know the context, but they just sort of automatically assume the worst about another brother or sister. That breaks my heart. We should get in the habit of assuming the best about our brothers, right? About our sisters. If the Spirit of Christ is living in me and that same Spirit is living in you, we ought to be able to give each other the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if we can't do it, who can, right? So we need to be in the habit of giving our leadership the benefit of the doubt as well. We need to trust them. And then finally, we need to encourage our leaders. In their capacity as elders, those men get very little encouragement. I'm just going to tell you the truth. They get very little encouragement. Now, they get lots of questions. They get lots of complaints. They get lots of suggestions. And that's fine. You know, that's kind of what they signed up for. But wouldn't it be great if they got a whole lot of encouragement as well? Wouldn't that be a blessing to them? By the way, I hope you know who your shepherds are. You know, it's a little bit tough sometimes with the two services that, uh, you know, I know our shepherds try to flip-flop back and forth, but it's, it can be a little bit tough. Uh, here's a picture of the shepherds that serve this body. I went ahead and put Daryl and Jimmy's picture up there as well. These men need our encouragement. We need to encourage them, and that's on us, by the way. Well, they don't talk to me. Well, you talk to them. No, you find them. They're pretty easy to find. As I said, I think God's going to hold uh, those men responsible for the way they lead, but I also think God's going to hold us responsible for the way we follow. So, you know, my charge to us is let's be the kind of sheep that are, that are a joy to lead. I like the way the message uh, words, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. We're to make their work a joy. And I'll tell you, our, our leadership here is overwhelmed sometimes. <laughs> but I'm not sure they're overwhelmed with appreciation and love. But that's what our shepherds should be able to expect from us. We as sheep, we have some responsibilities to those men who serve as, as shepherds. But our shepherds have some responsibilities to us as well. Let me... Take just a few more minutes and speak to our shepherds. Um, and just so you know, several of our shepherds were in the first service. They heard this same charge, but I want you to hear it as well. First Timothy chapter 3, 1, Paul says, Here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. The men who serve this congregation as elders have set their heart on that task 
Paul says it's a noble task. Somehow the Holy Spirit has planted in their hearts a desire and a willingness to say, I'll serve this body in this capacity. So, elders, I'm going to speak to your heart for just a minute, give you some heart challenges uh, this morning. And the first is this. We need our elders to lead God's church with all your heart. Titus says in Titus chapter 1, a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. Paul says that bishops are stewards. We know what a steward is. Steward's someone who's in charge of something that doesn't actually belong to him. So right off the bat, we find out this church doesn't belong to the elders. It certainly doesn't belong to the preacher. It doesn't belong to us sheep. It belongs to Jesus. It's Jesus' church. It's not ours. But our elders need to understand that and take care of it and nurture her so that she'll be beautiful when Jesus returns. Jesus treasures his church. He paid with his blood for the church. We need leaders who will lead God's church with that same kind of passion, that same kind of energy. The church is a treasure. We need our elders to be fully engaged. And listen, I know these men well. They're just like you. They've got lives, businesses, jobs, family, deadlines, commitments, pressure, stress. I mean, these are busy guys. But I don't want to ever feel like we're the leftovers. And I'll say this, I never have. As long as I've been at Bay Area, I've never once had that feeling, but I'm encouraging our leadership to keep that same focus. The church is Jesus' bride, and she is precious. They're stewards of this church, and I'll add they're stewards of the whole church, not a piece, not a part, not a segment. Stewards of the whole church. Scripture also charges our elders to study God's word with all your heart. Titus chapter 1, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. These are men of the word who need to be in the word. I'm challenging our elders to be in the word. I mentioned this in first service. I don't know how many of you watch Jeopardy at night. I do. All the time. I embrace my nerdiness. This past week was Tournament of Champions. Anybody watch that? And one of the final Jeopardy questions, the final Jeopardy category was Old Testament books. And I'm like, yes, this is my category. You know, finally, it's not 19th century opera. This is Old Testament books. You know, James the Gambler, I'm like James, I'm going all in. I am so going to know this, but I'm betting it all. And the clue was, by Hebrew word count, the longest book bears this name that led to a word for long complaint or rant. Now, I've already bid everything I have. And I don't understand the second half of that clue. But I understand the first half. By longest Hebrew word count. So what they're asking is, what is the longest book in the Old Testament? And I know this one. They're going to think it's Psalms, but it's not. It's Genesis. I know this. And I'm feeling pretty good. And they go to Francois first. And they say, Francois, you broke down, what is Ruth? And I'm like, really? (laughs) 
This guy, he's in the finals. And have you ever read the Bible, Francois? Ruth, no. And Alex says, no, that's not right. Then he goes over to Emma, who I liked. And Emma put, what is Jeremiah? And I go, oh, Emma, I wanted you to get that right. And Alex Trebek says, that's right. Like, what? No. Jeremiah is not the longest book in the Old Testament. It's Genesis. I'm sure of that. And then James also put Jeremiah. Where we get the word Jeremiah, which I've never heard of before, it was a really humbling experience for me. I was so sure I knew that it was Genesis. I went and looked it up. Turns out Alex Trebek was right. (laughs) Jeremiah is the longest book by word count in the Old Testament. And I know that doesn't have anything to do with really what's in the Word, but my point is we get so convinced that we know the Word. I mean, I know it. I know what's in there. And every time I sit down and open God's Word, I'm learning something new. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit just teaches me something new. Never saw that before. How could I have missed that? Wow, am I the first person to see it this way? I mean, it is active and it is alive. And we need our leadership to be in the Word every day. We need all of us to be in the Word. But I want to know when I go see my elder that the advice that he gives, the counsel, his opinion, his correction maybe, is rooted in Scripture, is biblically sound. I want to know that those men have spent enough time in the Word that I trust them when they talk to me. They're coming from a Bible uh, standpoint. You know, our elders are the congregation's first line of defense. We need you elders to guard against the deception of Satan. Study God's word with all your heart. And then we need you to love this family with all your heart. Acts 20, 28, be shepherds of the church of God. Out of all the metaphors that the Holy Spirit could have chosen, why did he choose shepherds? Talk to somebody after first service about the fact that, you know, us today, we don't really live in an agrarian society so much anymore. And I grew up on a farm, but I didn't grow up around sheep. I grew up around cows, not sheep. I didn't really understand sheep. Why did he use the term shepherd? And it might be because the job of shepherd never ends. You never go off duty when you're a shepherd. And the reason shepherds never go off duty is because wolves are wolves 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The evil one never takes a day off. Satan is always trying to lead us sheep astray. And so our, sh- our shepherds need to be vigilant and bold and, and determined. Elders, we need to, you to love us with all your heart. And I will share a secret with the eldership here. Not all of us are easy to love. <laughs> I want you to love us with all our heart, but not all of us are easy to love. Some of us are hard to love all the time. All of us are hard to love some of the time. But we need you to love us with all your heart. Romans chapter 5. Hope does not disappoint us because God's poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Isn't it amazing how many times the Holy Spirit comes up in these conversations? You need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with the love of God because that's the kind of love we need. That's the kind of love that you need to share and to show. And I'm going to tell you, it is not natural. It is a supernatural love. So our elders need to stay in step with and in the flow of the Holy Spirit to lead them into the kind of love that we require. And then finally, we're asking to serve this family with all your heart.
Remember that beautiful image of Jesus in John chapter 13? It's just before the crucifixion, actually, before he's uh, arrested. Um, he takes off his outer garment, and he gets a basin of water, and he begins washing the apostles' feet, and he kind of goes down the line, and he washes their feet, and they don't know exactly how to react. They're not exactly sure what he's doing. But then Jesus tells them, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus intends, us for, intends for us to be a community of foot washers. And that starts with leadership, to be servants. So elders, you need to continue to serve with all your heart. People need to see Jesus in you. Not just the things that you say, but the things that you do as well. Your lives need to be a walking example of the love of Jesus. And if they are, if you do that, I promise we'll follow. We'll follow someone who looks like Jesus. Let me close by saying this uh, to our shepherds, and I shared it in the first service as well. Don't you dare let us settle. I don't want our leadership to allow us to settle. We are not nearly who we should be. We're not nearly what we could be because God's still working on us. God is still leading all of us. He wants so much more for our lives and for our families and for this family. Elders, your job is not to help us maintain. Your job is to lead us places we've never been before, even if we're not sure we want to follow. Even if we're not sure we see the whole picture. I don't know of a sheep that's ever come to a shepherd and said, please take us into the, you know, the, the dark, deep valley here so that we can get to the green pastures on the other side. We're counting on our leadership to lead us closer to the heart of God. Now, I mentioned why does the Bible use the metaphor shepherd. I'm so glad it uses shepherd instead of cowboy, aren't you? You know the difference between shepherds and cowboys? Shepherds lead, cowboys drive, right? Shouts and whips and spurs, you know, screams. Cowboys drive cows to where they want them to go. But Jesus never called himself the brave cowboy, did he? He called himself the good shepherd because he knew his sheep, and the sheep knew his voice. There was a relationship there. He was concerned about his sheep. Sheep can't be driven. They can only be led. So we need our elders to lead us where God wants us to go. And by the way, I know that you know, across churches and across uh, all Christendom, there's all kinds of organizational structures. There's all kind of different leadership uh, 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 types, leadership uh, structures. But I know this one's the best one. This idea of Jesus being the head and a local family being led by elders, served by deacons, working with the sheep. I know that's the best because it's God's plan. It's God's design. He's the one that set it up this way. So I know that it works if we have leaders who love God with all their heart and love the sheep, and if we as sheep can honor our leaders and try to be more like Jesus making their job a joy and not a burden. Our elders have a tremendous responsibility to God. They've got a responsibility to us as well. We as sheep, 
we have a tremendous responsibility to God. We've got a responsibility to our leadership as well. We've also got a responsibility to all those people who don't know Jesus, to our community, and to our families. Working together, working together in love, may we be the family that God wants us to be. Listen, this part two to a very different kind of sermon series. I know it's a little bit out of the ordinary, but like I said at the beginning, church matters. The church matters to us. And so as important as this decision is, we need to spend some time talking about it and praying about it and trying to understand what's really at play here. So again, let me encourage you, be praying about this process. Be praying for the Bay Area church, its leadership. Be praying for all of us as we try to get closer and closer to the heart of Jesus and be the kind of uh, family and the kind of church that God's called us to be. As always, we've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. I know um, this sermon probably didn't, uh, didn't cause you to think in some different directions, but I also know that life's really busy and hard and you know, weeks are difficult. Maybe something's going on with you this week that you need prayers of people who love you. We'd love to pray with you or for you. Maybe there's just something that you need to make the family here aware of. There'll be some people here at the front of the auditorium. If you share it with us there, then we'll share it with the family. Let's stand and sing.